0: Sports Talk Mississippi Ah. on your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Ah. Hey, we're getting close. Hey, it's a Thursday. We got some NFL football. Uh, Kind of. Kind of got NFL NFL football football tonight. Sort of have NFL football tonight. I would say no disrespect intended, but I kind of think disrespect is intended, or at least implied, uh, with the matchup that we have on this. It's warranted. It's so bad, and and traditionally, I love watching the Denver Broncos. I I mean, you know, it's like it's a cool stadium, and they've always been good through the years. But Broncos at Jets. I mean, the the Jets kind of feel like the second-class citizens in their own stadium, but the Giants are so bad that I don't know that's really the case. So it'll be a green MetLife stadium tonight with nobody in it to watch the 0-3 Broncos and the 0-3 Jets. Good news is one of these teams uh, actually gets a win do it. tonight. Don't are don't you do sure? That. Because Cincinnati... Th- there there clearly... are
0: ties. Don't jinx those teams like that.
2: I, I have seen a lot of people lately talk about how the, the Jets need to just go ahead and continue losing and get Trevor Lawrence, but if you actually watch the Jets, which God bless you if you have the stomach to watch the Jets, quarterback's not their problem. And so they're just going to draft Trevor Lawrence and still have a terrible football team because, the one, Adam Gase is a disaster, but the team around Sam Darnold is so bad that not even Trevor Lawrence is going to step in and win games with that roster. So So why is it that I kind of think the Jets might win?
0: win. Because the Broncos aren't any good either. Because
2: Darnold, even though people give him crap and he's not winning, if you really watch him play, he's capable of winning games if he has competence around him, and he doesn't. So I would take the better quarterback tonight. I'm with you. I think the Jets will win just because they've got an actual starting quarterback playing in the game. Brett Rippon
1: is the starter tonight for the Denver Broncos. They might have a better chance if Mark Rippon came out of retirement and started
0: tonight. I mean, well, maybe be, Marv, being, being... One of the two. Oh, oh, Merv. Merv. Merv or Marv. Either way.
1: Either way. Uh, thanks for being with us. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, we would love to hear from you on the ceasefire text line, 601 879 879 4395 We all know there's a lot of bull in wireless, but ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal best plan for one or two lines, $45 each, with auto pay and paperless billing. Noble, cspire.com. Major League Baseball happening. One game has gone final already today, and the Atlanta Braves have punched their ticket to round two of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Cubs-Marlins has been postponed. Is that because it's raining in Chicago? I believe so, yes. Okay. So you've got the White Sox up on Oakland one zip. That's in the bottom of the second inning. This is game three of that series. The Dodgers beat Milwaukee last night. They will play game two tonight at 9 o'clock. St. Louis and San Diego will play at 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN. And earlier today it was the Atlanta Braves Winning five to nothing over the Cincinnati Reds, so the season comes to an end for the Reds. Ronald Acuna Jr. today was three for five. Marcelo Zuna drove in two runs. Adam Duvall drove in two runs. Uh, Freddie Freeman was zero for two. Had a couple of walks, but nobody really cares considering what he did yesterday, where he drove in the winning run in the bottom of the thirteenth inning. So the Braves advance and Braves fans rejoice. You talk to your buddy Joel?
0: I haven't spoken to him, but I'm I'm sure he is quite joyful right this second.
1: yeah I
2: Those certainly people deserve do, that the Atlanta sports teams have not been good to their fans. so I know that's taboo as like a Saints person to be happy for people from Atlanta, the Braves, but yeah.
0: they deserve Plus, what happened today. Braves fits into my philosophy of anyone but the Dodgers. So yeah,
1: there you chop go. Chop one. So, so, game 2 between Miami and the Chicago Cubs has been pushed to Friday because of inclement weather. It will be played at 2:08 very specific Eastern time. So 1:08 here in Mississippi, unless it is the only wild card game remaining. If that is the case, it will be on ABC at 6:08 Central. Game 3 if necessary will be played on Saturday. So that's the uh, story in that ball game. Uh, had a bunch of teams advance last night. When um, you uh, you had Houston beat Minnesota yesterday three to one to take that series two zip. Tampa Bay beat Toronto eight to two to take that series two zip. Cards won yesterday over San Diego seven to four, and they had a wild one in Cleveland last night. The Yankees and the Cleveland Indians ten to nine was the final. So the Yankees won Game 1 handily, and it took nearly five hours to play Game 2 of the series. It dragged on and on and on. It started at 6 o'clock Central Time, right when we were going off the air. And then they had a rain delay. And then they had another rain delay. And then Masahiro Tanaka was pitching, and he's kind of like the human rain delay and there were a bunch of pitching changes, and it just lasted forever. But good guys won, so it doesn't really matter how long. You just got to, uh, just got to watch the good guys for a really long time last night, Borky. Oh, I'm sorry,
2: I, I didn't watch. Yeah, I know you did. I had I far better things to do with my time. Then watch the Yankees or watch playoff baseball? No, I'm going to try to get into it. I, I say this every year. I try every year. I'm going to do it again this year, especially
1: I during mean, the At some week. point, you just stop lying to yourself, though.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it, it was uh, easy to be distracted last night. Congrats to Brian Haydad.
0: One down, three. Yeah, good. the Lakers were good. And now, and, and now Drogic and Bam Adebayo are out for the next game. Yeah, That's 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 a tough hill to climb.
2: Might as well hand them the trophy. Uh, at this point, I mean, if we, I
0: could, I could, I could use less stress. You just want to go ahead and just love him, just and give it hate in. him
2: for for the off the court stuff. But it is unbelievable what LeBron James does at his age. It's it's legitimately unbelievable that he is able to perform at the level that he does at his
0: age. Just one of those people. One of those people that's their body is built differently than the ninety nine percent of the world. He's
2: the reason why parents lie to you when you say you
0: can be anything. Well, <laughs> yes, you cannot be LeBron James, no, not, not really. Jackson, you can't be Herschel Walker. You probably can't be a lot of other people. You know, girls out there, you can't be Serena Williams. It's it's just not going to happen for you. Um,
1: he's only thirty five. I mean, you say at his age, like he's you know yeah, that's playing 17. at this level at forty two, it is an that's old thirty five.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. a, if if a twenty a twenty two year old was still playing this like this at thirty nine, you know, and played the same number of games. Wait, that say again? If a, somebody had been a senior in college and then played 17 years in the NBA, that's that would be the same number of games. And if somebody like that was 39 and still playing like LeBron, we would all be losing our minds. Like, this guy's almost 40. But LeBron, I mean, yeah. he came out at 18, so he's been playing 17 years. He's done, what, two Olympics, 12 finals. So he's played deep seasons most of his career. I mean, it's just how he is. Yeah. How long would you anticipate he continues? Couple more years, maybe, and that last year will be a real passing of the torch kind of year, I think, for him.
1: Well, he's certainly not going to be the guy that uh, that doesn't tell anybody he's going to retire and then just quietly does it when it's over. I don't think
0: so. I think, no. I think we'll get we'll get we'll get a a year around the uh, we'll get sort of like uh, they did with Bird and with Kareem, where the, everybody will give him a gift. You know, big Poppy did it, Jeter did it. You know, yeah. I guess so. Which are fun. I think you get to see the respect among teams, you know, for their rivals and stuff. I think that's sort of a fun thing about sports. Why do I not like LeBron James?
1: Because of his political stuff. is it? No, 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 no. It was way before that. Way before oh, that. Not, is, is it if, if, just because I, I feel like I was such a Jordan guy?
0: It's possible. I didn't like LeBron for a long time because until he got to the Lakers. Right, well because of Kobe. I was always a Kobe guy. And he's really and,
2: self-absorbed. Uh, I mean the congratulating well, yourself know. for breaking records break. and stuff like that, it's obnoxious.
0: So, but I, as for as far as you know, now I would probably still take Kobe just because that's my guy, but I mean, I can certainly respect LeBron James and I do feel, I cheer for him now because he's a Laker. Look, if he was warrior, if,
1: if you say. are a star, the magnitude of LeBron James There's no question the ego is going to be massive and off the charts. The self-confidence is going to be just spectacular. I don't feel like, though, with generally speaking with Jordan, and for that matter, even with Kobe, and he was a bristly personality, I don't feel like the same level of condescension was there with those guys. I feel like when LeBron James opens his mouth, he's talking down to me and anybody else who happens to be hearing what he's saying, as if he is the savant and knows it all, as opposed to just talking. So paranoid. Oh, Sports Talk, Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Better you kind of bleep that one out there, Borky. You want to uh, be a part of the show? You can do so. Ceasefire text line 601 8794 three nine five we are a family show we are we are indeed
2: um worst words s- have been said on this network but we are a family show
0: <laughs> on this show Shh. true it's true so not by me though
1: greg sankey said something last night and it affects a lot of people well I, maybe not a lot a handful of people It affects Kentucky backup quarterback Joey Gatewood. It affects Tennessee offensive lineman Cade Mays. It affects Ole Miss safety Otis Reese and maybe a few others. Greg Senke. we'll just give you his quote, then we'll talk about it. Well, first of all, what I should say is they approved immediate eligibility for intra-conference transfers. It must be stated unequivocally that these approvals are solely a reflection of the unique circumstances present and should not be interpreted as endorsement of the rationale set forth by individuals seeking these waivers. These are unprecedented times in which decisions about eligibility and competitive opportunities demand consideration of the current challenges facing our student-athletes and schools as a result of COVID-19. In a non-COVID environment, there may have been a different outcome for some of the waiver requests determined today. The SEC announced last night that it had approved Transfer waiver request for a number of programs seeking exceptions to the rule that in conference transfers must sit out a year before being eligible to compete. The list of appro- uh, approved waivers was not announced by the league, but we're able to connect the dots. Joey Gatewood at Kentucky approved, Cade Mays at Tennessee approved. Do we know for sure that Otis Reese has been approved? Or, or as far the as SEC I understand not
2: it only a presumption
1: okay I wonder if perhaps the SEC would not preemptively approve a waiver request before the NCAA said yes, they are eligible from our standpoint.
2: But at least I'm I guess you... Uh, there's precedent, right, here that if uh, the NCAA finally decide and, and today, which is good news for Mississippi State, Mississippi State basketball got an immediate eligibility waiver approved. That's a great thing that it happened. Great thing. But how is a basketball player getting his eligibility waiver approved... After he transferred, after I mean, he transferred after the football player and we're in football season. The basketball player gets his done, but the football player does not. Just another example of just the rear-end backwardness of the NCAA. Why is the football player not priority when basketball season is still months away?
0: I mean, you're, you're the, asking for common sense from the NCAA. Why don't you just go ask, you know... Turtles to fly, but I
1: mean, here's another relevant question, though. This is not new. Was the SEC office trying to make some sort of a point in saying, "Yeah, we'll approve them, unique circumstances," but we're not re- imp- approving this stuff before game one. I mean, was there like a hey, we just want to remind you who's boss here and who's in charge and, and you know who who, who really is because I I don't understand I, I don't understand why Wednesday going into week two is the time that you know what, we're just gonna go ahead and approve all these waivers. Just be sure that you know this is a one year thing. Except for the fact that it's not a one-year thing, because the NCAA is getting ready to do the one-time transfer waiver thing for everybody. But why is it Wednesday of Week Two? Why was it
2: not Wednesday before Week One? The answer, you know, you would think just gross incompetence, but that, like no, Greg Sankey, no, no. I, that's what I'm saying. Love yeah. Greg Sankey, hate him. That's not how he operates.
1: Yeah, incompetence ain't it.
2: wouldn't be surprised at all if it was a message but i mean what's the other explanation because after the way the sec handled all of the covid stuff they're getting things right in that office
1: and i mean like yeah we we've had a lot of stuff going on and we were really busy that's not that's not an excuse either or excuse isn't even the right word i mean greg sankey is is a uh, fastidious thinker? Did he just need to think on it for a little while longer?
0: I don't think that's it.
1: I, I, I mean, I feel like when once he has all the information, he is able to sit down and come to a decision and then announce it. But I think they... I mean, it just... I have zero knowledge of this. I'm just thinking out loud here. And that is... Had probably a little bit of a message sent here. Yeah, we're going to improve it, but, but you don't get the same thing that everybody else gets. Which is, you know, a full 10 games to play, we hope. But that seems a little petty to me. Maybe even seems a lot petty to me. Or do you think it- there were
2: powers powers, in air quotes, pulling the strings on stopping this from happening. I mean, I don't think Georgia wants two of their players to leave and play somewhere else, right? Especially uh, under the circumstances of both. Cade Mays is not in the same situation as Otis Reese, but Cade, Cade Mays' situation does not reflect pretty on Georgia, and either does, obviously, Otis Reese's. I wonder if Georgia's been behind the scenes saying,
1: Well, Georgia blocked Cade Mays' transfer also. Yeah, So
2: I wonder if there's some animosity. Maybe even in Alabama who's not dealing with this right now, but, I mean, if what we expect is true, that the NCAA will soon, maybe early next year, allow one-time penalty-free transfers, that Nick Saban and Alabama are like, hey, no, you don't change that rule because everybody's going to come for our second-teamers. Maybe there's some hang-up there as well. Because if I'm...
1: Oh, Kippen, I, what, if I'm like, Do you have a huge issue, though, that's, if across the board nationally, the NCAA says student athletes are allowed to transfer one time without penalty, and then the SEC said, yeah, yeah, you can transfer without penalty, but you can't be eligible your first year if you transfer to another SEC school.
0: That's the penalty. That. Huh? That's the penalty. You say, tra- yes. you can transfer without penalty, but no, then there is a penalty.
2: Right, isn't that it's not the same, but th- they are currently have that rule in place. the NCAA can right now until
1: yesterday approve a waiver, but if it was SEC to SEC, the league office said no. Yeah no, I, I understand. I mean I guess it's kind of like the governor yesterday says the the mask mandate is lifted, but individual municipalities can make their own decisions yeah you know, you, you, your your local rules can't be less stringent. Than whatever my rules are, but they can be more stringent, and there's, you know, you're free to do that. I think you would be putting, in some instances, schools in the Southeastern Conference at a competitive disadvantage to their peers in other conferences if you don't allow that. That's number one. But number two, You're doing a disservice to your student athletes. Rules of the National Collegiate Athletics Association say, look, you can transfer one time. And again, you've heard me say this, and I'm standing by this. Yes, you may transfer one time without penalty, immediately eligible. If somebody wants you, you can go there. Do not come back and ask for an exception to be immediately eligible in a second transfer because there is none. None. I don't care if your mother dies, I don't care if your younger brother or sister has terminal cancer, I don't care if your grandfather needs to you to help him get out of bed in the morning and put him to bed at night. I don't care if you're homesick. I don't care if there's a global pandemic. If, if any of those things happen we will approve the transfer but you will have to sit a year understand that and do not ask for an exception because there will be none
2: Richard cross out of context I do not care if your mother dies <laughs> yeah
1: thanks yeah let's do that hey, that'd be great clip it that'll be great sports talk Mississippi streaming at super talkk.fM around your door. Good to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. For the first time today, let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favrates.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Derek Terry joins us right now. He writes at the Kentucky 24-7 sports site. That is catspaws.com. Derek, before we get into Kentucky football, I guess I should offer my my condolences. Your, Your Twitter timeline tells me that you're in a bit of a state of mourning right now.
3: I am uh, a little soon to talk about it, but uh, yeah,
1: I was going to yeah, say it's Reds too season. soon. Is that it? I didn't? I didn't mean that to uh, like pour salt into the wound. That was not the uh, the intent.
3: I, I can take losing. Uh, that's fine. The Braves obviously were the two seed. Reds just barely snuck in the playoffs. But to uh, have numerous, both good and bad, uh, MLB records happen in that series. Obviously, uh, Trevor Bower yesterday said a Reds record for. Strikeout in the postseason, and then today the Reds uh, surpassed uh, a 100-year-old record and became the first team to not score in a playoff series that featured multiple games.
1: Maybe I can make you feel better. I'm going to attempt to. This is this is all I've got. At least you're not the Twins. Well,
3: uh, I suppose you could say that, but you know, for the rest of history, I guess any team as long as they just score in a playoff series, I can say, <laughs> well, you know, we're better than 2020 Reds.
1: Well, I I feel like the the Reds will not lose 18 in a row in the playoffs, but uh, we'll see. Um, Let's talk some football. I was really high on this Kentucky team coming into the season and primarily was high on them because of what appeared to be really good players on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Maybe a little less high on them after week one. So tell me, was I right going into the year? Am I right now? Is it somewhere in between? Where do you stand on, on kind of this Kentucky team after just one game? Um, I'm a little surprised, I think,
3: at the how quick people are to write them off. I don't know how it was down there. in know Ole Miss played at the same time uh, as Kentucky, so I'm not sure how close people down there followed the U.K. game. Uh I thought Kentucky did a lot of good things on Saturday, and that's not me trying to carry water for the program. I mean, they outgained Auburn. They uh, were over 60% on third down. Uh, But really where it got out of hand was mainly two two brutal turnovers. Um, Kentucky had a touchdown, wiped off the board. Well, it wasn't wiped off the board. It just wasn't granted to them uh, on a play that pretty clearly was a touchdown. Two plays later, Terry Wilson threw an interception that was returned for a pick six, but a targeting – targeting was called after a review. So that was a big momentum play. I mean Kentucky could have been up fourteen to eight uh, potentially going to halftime where they would have gotten the ball to start the third quarter. And then the one where it really got out of hand, Kentucky was down by two in the fourth quarter and Terry Wilson uh on an unforced fumble, just flat out hit it off his own knee, fumbled the ball, Auburn recovered it inside UK 30 and scored. And then UK tried a fake punt for some reason when they were already down by uh nine points and Auburn quickly scored. So that's where it kinda got out of hand. Uh, I don't know how high you were on them in the preseason. Like I never viewed them as legitimate SEC East like could win it because I just don't think they're going to have the offense to beat teams consistently like an Alabama or a Georgia. But uh, I still view them as a pretty solid team, probably five, six wins, which isn't going to jump off the page at anybody. But in a year where it's an all-SEC schedule, I think that would still be a pretty good year for Kentucky.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that as well. And and I kind of thought third in the East. I, I mean, it, it feels like Florida and Georgia are kind of the clear front runners. But you know, mm-hmm. a, a fair amount coming back. I've heard it said multiple times that that overall this roster has more talent on it for Kentucky than any team that Mark Stoops has has ever had. Is that accurate? Like like one through eighty five. One through eighty
3: five. Yes, I would say so. But like, what this team lacks is their there's no Benny Snell on this team. There's no Josh Allen. Uh, I think they have a really good group of solid players, but I think offensive identity all year long. In turn, not, not necessarily identity. I think they know what their identity is. They want to run the ball. They want to take their shots when they can. When they pass, but they don't really have a true playmaker. Like Saturday at Auburn, uh, I watched the guy. I didn't make the trip to Auburn first time in a few years. I didn't cover a UK football game, but. Yeah. I watched it with my brother, and I told him, I was just saying, man, like at this point, you're down by nine points or whatever. Like, who are they going to go to for a spark? And there's really no one right now. And that's probably the biggest issue this season. Uh, I don't think they have bad players at wide receiver, they just don't have anybody that really scares the defense right now. And until that gets cleaned up, uh, I think that's going to be fine against some teams that don't have great defenses because their run game's so good. But when it comes to playing a Florida or a Georgia or Alabama, it's going to be tough to beat those teams if you can't consistently throw the ball.
1: I want to come back to what you said about receivers in just a second because that, I think, is a fascinating storyline going into this game What based on what Ole Miss gave up against Florida. But before – well, let's just do that right now. So Ole Miss gave up a ton of yards through the air against Florida, made Kyle Trask look outstanding. I think he is outstanding, but made him look maybe even better than he is. Kyle Pitts is a pro tight end playing for Florida right now the Gators were able to take all kinds of advantage of weaknesses from Ole Miss, primarily because they couldn't put any pressure up front on Trask in that game. Do you think Kentucky's got enough weapons to be able to hurt Ole Miss in the passing game? Because one of the things that jumped out in the box score from the game against Auburn for me is 40 pass attempts for Terry Wilson doesn't really strike me as what they want to do offensively.
3: No, I would agree with that. It was a career high in attempts. So I think if for Ole Miss, if pass rush is a problem, uh, it's not going to be a good sign in terms of getting. I mean, I think Kentucky's offensive line, especially the tackles, both those tackles, Lyndon Young and Darian Kennard, they're both going to be drafted uh, in the next yep. NFL draft. So those are two really good players. Probably the biggest difference, and this is, you know, not rocket science, like. The good news for Ole Miss is Kentucky does not have anybody like Kyle Pitts. Uh, like you said, I don't think anybody <laughs> does, though. No. Uh, but also, you know, they don't have a guy like Kadarius Tony though, or someone like that who, I mean, Florida had multiple guys who could hurt you. Whereas Kentucky, like, if Ole Miss's defense is truly just really bad, then, like, yeah, there might be some guys who have big games this weekend. But I don't think Kentucky's going to want to go to the pass near as much as what Florida did. Uh, that's just not their style. Uh, if, if, Ole Miss can't really get off the field. I think that's going to be a problem for them because I would say Kentucky wants to really pound the rock. And uh, from what I can tell to this point, it seems like Ole Miss's best, you know, part of its team is an explosive offense. And I'm sure Mark Stoops will want to do everything he can to uh, keep those guys on the sideline for most of the game.
1: Derek, you were accurate in in saying that I was not able to watch a ton of that game, only kind of highlights after the fact. But everything I've kind of seen and read looks like that opening drive by Kentucky was kind of a work of art. And my assumption is that that was scripted. So after the first drive, do do you think it was a a function of adjustments that Auburn made and and Kevin Steele kind of famous for being a great in-game adjustments coach on the defensive side? Or was kind of the consistency and play calling different than that opening possession?
3: Um, Well, Kentucky moved the ball pretty well. I think they only had one three and out in the first half. They had one drive that got totally derailed by a uh, holding penalty. I think Kentucky had just completed a pass that was going to put them down into the red zone, actually. And as a holding call on one of the tight ends brought it back, they uh, totally went backwards after that. And then they had that drive at the end of the half, of course, which I just talked about where they didn't get any points uh, when they should have. So, really, the first half, they moved the ball well. Now, the second half is where it changes a little bit. Uh, still a pretty good third quarter. I think Wilson went seven for, or, sorry, six for 10, 62 yards on a touchdown. But in the whole second half, though, Kentucky went from averaging 4.8 yards per carry in the first half to just, I think, 1.8. So, that hmm. was a big change, whatever Auburn did. Uh, they were stopping the run. And when you stop the run against Kentucky and you're able to pin your ears back a little bit more, that's just not the spot Kentucky wants to be in. Uh, they're not really a team that <laughs> quick scoring drives, uh, I guess I'm trying to say, are not really Kentucky's forte. Very methodical. It doesn't always have to be 10-11 plays, but they don't really have the weapons, I don't think, at this point in the passing game to, to go on two- or three-play drives unless it's just a total bust by the defense.
1: Derek, last thing for you, only about a minute left. Ole Miss pretty good offensively in their opener against Florida. They obviously gave up 51 but put 35, and there are a couple of possessions where they they really left points on the field. What about Kentucky defensively and dealing in particular with the downfield passing game that Ole Miss showed last week?
3: Yeah, Kentucky was not great last week, but they mostly let one guy beat them, Seth Williams. Uh, I know it sounds like the challenge this week is Elijah Moore, who's a lot different receiver than – Williams is, but uh, that was something I think needs to be cleaned up. Kentucky statistically was good last year. I don't think those are true numbers, mainly because of bad quarterback play in the SEC and four games that were played in the rain. But I would say it's a pretty – I don't know if it's a huge advantage because I think Kentucky's secondary does have some good guys, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Ole Miss uh, have a lot of success again through the air.
1: All right. Should be fun on Saturday. Uh, going to be absolutely spectacular yeah. from a weather standpoint. Uh, it would be cool if it was going to be a packed stadium, but that's not happening anywhere. So uh, hopefully we've got a good one on Saturday. Derek, really appreciate your time and your insight today. All right. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, Derek Terry from Cats Paws. That's the 24-7 sports site that covers the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, a lot to digest there. Uh, you know, Kind of going through the way the game between Kentucky and Auburn unfolded. Maybe the final score not entirely indicative of the way most of the game was played, uh, but uh, not a ton of offensive production for Kentucky either. Big, big swing, and we talked about it on Monday and I guess again on Tuesday on, uh, on that sequence down around the goal line where it looked like Kentucky got in. Everybody that saw the replay thought Kentucky got in except the replay official who did not have conclusive video evidence To uh, overturn the uh, the call on the field, so, uh, and then they turn it over on the uh, the next play. So this one could be interesting on Saturday. It's got the makings of a fun game. Derek Terry joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. We will be right back. (laughs) Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Good conversation with Derek Terry from uh, Catspaws just a few minutes ago, talking about this Kentucky football team in preparation for Ole Miss and Kentucky on Saturday. Borky, anything he says stand out to you? Not really confident in Terry Wilson. Doesn't seem to. It.
2: I, I went back and watched their Auburn game, and they really do. It, This is probably not the best comparison, but it kind of reminded me the way the Saints handle Drew Brees now. They know he's not a good deep ball passer. They don't even really try it. Everything with Wilson was kept kind of underneath, high percentage. I mean, they threw a lot, but they didn't exactly test Auburn down the field all that often. And he's not the best decision maker in the world either. For example, I mean, he mentioned the turnovers. There was, in the third quarter... They were Kentucky scored, but they were down two because Auburn did a weird swinging gate thing early in the game, so they had to go for two. Wilson scrambles to his right and just throws the ball out of bounds, like you would on, say, a first down in the middle of the field. Just throw it out of bounds, we'll go back to second down. Did that in the third quarter of a game when they were down by two on a two-point conversion. Didn't even try to force the ball down the field at all to a receiver. Just kind of threw it away. It's those things that you notice with Wilson, that he's a good athlete, he's a good runner, His mechanics and stuff are good. He's not like a complete bum throwing it down the field, but they really don't ask him to do it that often. Everything's really easy and underneath for him.
1: Career-high 37 pass attempts. He was 24 of 37 for 239 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. The um, leading receiver was Josh Alley. Nine catches for 98 yards. Uh, the longest pass play he had in the game was to Allen Daly, who had a 40 yard reception, but really no numbers that just like jump off the, the page at you when you look at their offense. Um, Smoke had 62 yards rushing on just seven carries. Terry Wilson carried it 13 times for, for 42 yards. So you've got mobility at quarterback there with Terry Wilson, but not mobility in the way that, uh, Lynn Bowden ran the offense. That was an altogether different thing a year ago. Yeah,
2: very different. This is just a different test for Ole Miss. It's going to be – they're going to have to step up and be physical. I don't think Wilson has the arm, and you heard a guy that covers the team say the same thing. Ole Miss's secondary uh, won't be as challenged this week as they were last week, athletes and quarterback. But they're going to have to line up and play physical and stop the run. Uh, I was just – a little while ago on Kentucky radio in Louisville. And they said the same thing. They expect Kentucky to really try to force the issue running the football. And I I honestly, you didn't see it much last week, but I think Ole Miss is better equipped to stop the run than the, than the pass. The stats don't bear it out, but there were times in that game Saturday where I thought, you know, Ole Miss defensively is doing okay, stopping the run They weren't great, but they were doing okay there. And the linebacker core is pretty experienced. So If they can match Kentucky's physicality and then dictate the pace offensively, they've got a really good shot.
1: Hey, Ned, one thing that we really haven't talked about I mean, we've talked about Auburn's win and, you know, some of the plays that happened. The reality is, though, and I know they had a a touchdown taken off the board. I I get that. Or or a touchdown that wasn't granted, as, as Derek said earlier. The bottom line is they only scored 13 points. Auburn's got a good defense they got really good defense. Lost some key pieces on the defensive line from a year ago. Uh, Derrick Brown, chief among them. And Big Cat Bryant didn't play in the game. They still only scored 13 points in the game.
0: Yeah. I mean, Kentucky has really never been known for having explosive playmakers. Now, they've had one the past couple of years, Benny Snell and Lynn Bowden, but those are guys on the ground. And trying to run at the Auburn defense is probably a losing proposition most of the time. Wilson's just an interesting guy. I mean, he completed 67% of his passes two years ago, but he threw the third fewest passes in the SEC. He only threw 11 touchdowns to interceptions. That team just ran through Benny Snell and then you had, uh, Wilson there to dump things off. And you mentioned him being mobile. Yeah, he was, he was pretty mobile, but he also has suffered a terrible injury a season ago. And, you know, maybe. That's probably cost him a little bit of his mobility. I know that it did with Fitzgerald. He he was not as explosive a runner uh, after the injury he suffered in the egg bowl, and it's just it's just you know a thing. So, yeah, this is going to be a game where to win Kentucky needs to punch Ole Miss in the mouth. To win for Ole Miss, they need to be able to answer that and punch back. So we'll see. Ole Miss is you know their their reputation has not been one of a physical football team the past couple of years. They're going to have to shed that if they want to have a chance to win on Saturday.
1: Um, Ole Miss and Kentucky played each other every single year from 1944 until 1971. It's been sporadic since then. Only 44 meetings, despite playing every year for 25 straight years. 2017, Ole Miss won what was just a super fun game in Lexington. 37-34, DK Metcalf touchdown catch with five seconds left in the game, it was a really fun back-and-forth game. Nothing about that game has any bearing on what we're going to see on Saturday. You just don't really have any carryovers from, from 2017 to 2020 uh, for, for these two teams. But I hope it's a fun game again. Uh, it's, a, it's a good stadium. Obviously, it's going to be different from an atmosphere standpoint than it has been in the uh, in the past. But uh, the win in 2017 for Ole Miss was the first in Lexington since 2001. They'll try to make it two in a row in the Bluegrass State this year. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi into the 4 o'clock hour on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Can you guys remember a span of days more than the last three or four that have just been more spectacular? I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but... I'm, Man, I'm it's been nice this week.
0: Somebody at Supertalk needs to get us an outdoor remote while this is happening. <laughs> we we need to have that.
2: We deserve it. I pitched the outdoor studio idea for a while, but that hasn't come to fruition yet. Yeah. Man, this is Bay Area weather.
1: It is. I mean, like, temperatures, highs in the low to mid-70s and lows in the mid to upper 50s. going to be a little bit cooler over the weekend, I don't know that the Sanderson Farms Championship has ever had a better weather week than what they are getting this week in Jackson.
2: And naturally, nobody can go there, but at least the players, I'm sure, are happy.
0: And yeah, they I are. I don't know the answer. What, 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 what would prevent them from moving the tournament to this week? Normally, is there a, is there a major that's normally happening right now? the
1: I borky did they move it from the original date
2: slightly did, yeah
1: they? like a I think two weeks I don't think there's any complaining at this point about the date for the tournament because they finally got into a spot where they are a, a standalone they're not opposite a major you know for for a lot of years the event in Jackson was uh, an opposite field event and right. so but, you know it what was, was it an Asian wGC lately right Yeah, I think
2: that's right. It's like in China or something. like. I I, I could be wrong. I think that's what it was.
1: Pretty, uh, so what, the HSBC championship? Does that sound right? I think so. Which is like, you know, top 50 players in the world are eligible for that. Good scores today. Really good scores today. In fact, um, let's see. 106 players in the field are even par or better. Just not a lot of big numbers. Currently, the lead at Country Club of Jackson belongs to Charlie Hoffman and Jimmy Walker. Friend of the program, Charlie Hoffman. Is Charlie on with us? He was, two years ago. That's right. Cool dude. Cool dude.
0: Uh, Charlie Hoffman and Jimmy Walker both shooting six... I'm sorry, what? The text line lets us know the Ryder Cup would normally be this weekend. Is that right?
1: Yes, but it not it, it, in a normal year, it would not have been opposite this tournament because the tournament would have been no, no. a couple of weeks
0: earlier. I, I was asking, though, like what would prevent them from moving it, to it, this week where the weather is just going to be a little bit nicer.
2: The Ryder Cup would have been last week.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: this gentleman is incorrect. Anyway. 64s for Charlie Hoffman and Jimmy Walker. They're both eight under par. Uh, J.T. Poston, Keegan Bradley, Taylor Gooch, all at 6-under. you got one guy, Michael Glig- Gligich. I feel like I'm pretty locked What's in on the PGA Tour. I'm not sure that I've ever seen that name before. He is a Canadian, and he is 7-under. I have not either.
2: Might be a grad. G
1: I C Gligich. Never, never heard of him, guys. I'm shocked. Uh, defending champion, Sebastian Munoz. Is playing well. He is five under on the course through thirteen. Obviously, has got good memories here. Kevin Chapel also at uh, at five under. Uh, Cameron Trimgali, who uh, played well in this event last year, shot a four under sixty eight. A uh, bunch of uh, pretty good names on the uh, leaderboard, and uh, again a bunch of red numbers on the first day of the Sanderson Farms Championship. We will keep you up to date with what's going on in Jackson at CCJ for this tournament. And uh, it's weird though, right? Because normally we would be there right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. I had somebody ask me about that today? I'm just like, nope, not this year.
1: And I know a lot of people. I mean,
2: just it's one of those weekends around here that, that people just go. I mean, even if you're even if you're not a fan of golf, it's like a little local event, and it just it stinks that it's been taken away. But I really enjoy the tournament and. Hearing the players, I mean, I watched a couple of the press conferences. They seem really complimentary of the golf course in the area. That's pretty cool uh, when it's, you know, the PGA Tour coming to our backyard and complimenting it the whole time. Not like they've ever gone to a place and said it's bad, but still they seem to go out of their way to say, course is in good shape, greens are rolling great, I enjoy my
1: week here.
0: I'm I'm just picturing Shooter McGavin there. Just can't wait to get out to all my great friends here in Jackson. Shooter. Put something in the water there.
1: (laughs) Pat says October is the best month of the year for all sports. Best month of weather, most beautiful month with autumn leaves, and best month for low utility bills. It is number one. Yes, sir. I'm
0: going to agree with Pat. Yeah.
1: Yep. You've got high school football, college football, the NFL, Major League Baseball, playoffs, Normally the NBA would be just around the corner. Instead, yeah. we are ending the NBA season.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess October Mo- for sports is ridiculous. I mean, because the Stanley Cup just finished up, and yeah, it's it's fun stuff right now.
1: Hey, Dad, what are you thinking about Saturday for Mississippi State? I mean, other than the fact that can't wait to see that offense again and see if they're able to replicate the performance from Week One, but in terms of what's important. In this game for the Bulldogs, where, where, where do you stand?
0: Um, I think they need. This is going to sound funny, and I sound like one of those people we were making fun of yesterday, but I do want to see them maybe run the ball just a smidge more. You know, I'm not saying 20 carries, but 10 would be nice to see what Kylan Hill can do on the ground. Um, I want to see, you know. And we talked to Steve Spurrier Jr. last night and we talked about, I asked him about the rotation of wide receivers and, you know, the guys who caught seven passes last week could be the guys who don't catch any passes the next week and so on and, and reversed, obviously. And, and he, he agreed with that. He said that it's going to be that way this year. So I'm interested to see, you know, is, does Malik Heath have a big game? Does Tyrell Shavers catch six or seven passes? So who, who's going to be that guy this week? But, but you sort of hit on it. It's not just seeing that offense again. It's seeing it live. You know, it's tough enough to watch that on TV and go, "What am I watching?" I don't, I'm not sure that this is Mississippi State. Now I get to see it live. You know, I'm really get to try to wrap my head around it and see if I can sort of see what they're seeing a little bit from from up there in the press box. And then defensively, I want to see if they can sort of match that effort from last week. I don't, I don't know about seven sacks again, but you know, the LSU was a better offense than Arkansas. You should be able to shut that down a little bit.
1: Mississippi State is obviously a heavy favorite in this ball game. What concerns you about Arkansas? A
0: little bit of the unknown, you know. I think they—they—they got a you know new coach, new systems. Um, Frank's, although we we had our debate about him yesterday, he's a competent quarterback. Rakeem Boyd is a very very good running back. Traylon Burks is a good receiver. So they have a couple of weapons there. Um, and I feel like even after you know, I think week one may have given them some confidence, having the lead on Georgia in the third quarter. I mean, think about a season ago what that game would have been; it would have been sixty to nothing, something like that. So they should be playing with some confidence right now, and they're going to look at this game and say Mississippi State is a team that you know it's not out of out of the realm of possibility that we could beat them. So I don't know if that's the case or not, but I think that's how the, the Arkansas mentality will be. I don't think it's the case. I don't think it is either, but. I think there's an opportunity for a, a emotional letdown. See, I thought about that, and I think the fact that it's at home and it's against Arkansas, if they were playing Texas A&M, I would say, yeah, they're they're probably going to lose. They're not going to be able to come back down from it. But Arkansas is is just I don't know that they're good enough to capitalize on state and maybe not being locked in 100. percent But that said, you know, when we talked to Costello on Tuesday, he said that we, we last week on Tuesday he said that was our best practice of the year. This week on Tuesday, he said the exact same thing. He really feels like that they've locked in offensively, everything's clicking the way they want it to. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be a letdown. Of course, I don't think he's going to throw for 600 yards either. So if you want to call, what is, is
1: it about Tuesdays for KJ Costello? After Tuesday's practice this week, he said, Yeah, best practice we've had all year. It was even better than what we did last Tuesday." I don't know yeah. if he's going to sell us that that bill of goods every single week, but he was onto something. Last week, it was when he said it felt like things clicked, and then later in the week he elaborated on that some, and, and we talked about that. We played that audio for you, and he said it wasn't just that. Oh, it was a great day of practice. It was the the moment where it sounded like. Tell me if I'm I'm paraphrasing this wrong, but it sounded like he got to the point where he wasn't having to think; he was able yeah. to just react.
0: He yeah, knew that, that, where that, that,
1: guys were supposed to be, what they were supposed to be doing, and it just all worked like it was supposed to.
0: They had that moment where you start seeing things the way you're supposed to see them. I think about uh, for love of the game where you close the mechanism and it's just you're just locked in. I think that's what happened with Costello last week.
1: Yeah. So Mississippi State and Arkansas coming up this weekend in Week two, first home game of the year. And we'll see about 15,000 or so folks in the stadium. I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine uh, if there were any remaining tickets available, they've been gobbled up after the week one performance. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We are glad to have you along and glad to welcome in Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports for his weekly visit. We talked to him on Thursday afternoons at 20 minutes after 4. Lee, man, it sure was good to have SEC football back last week.
4: It it, it was, but... um... Boy, it'd be better if they had a little better officiating, huh?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, there's always going to be some complaining. I don't know that that's unique to college football. I thought that
4: really, really hurt the game, and and that was uh, the Kentucky game. I, I thought one of the worst calls I've ever seen. I mean, Kentucky clearly has a touchdown with, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds to go before the half. He's in by at least a yard, and they couldn't see it on tape that he got in.
1: Seems like everybody that watched it saw that he got in, except for the replay official.
4: Right. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and as soon as uh, they didn't score and then the interception, I thought Kentucky was dead at that point. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, uh,
1: yes, uh, absolutely, okay. if for no other reason, because offensively they just weren't doing much. I mean, they, they were right. moving the ball okay, but they weren't able to cash in. We were talking about that a little while ago with the guy that covers Kentucky, and the bottom line is, y- yes, we thought Kentucky was going to be better this year. They still only scored 13 points last week, and there are a lot of teams that put up a lot more points than that.
4: No, they're going to they're going to have to score more if they want to, you know, you know, get, beat some of the better teams, but I think that you know they score there; they score twenty, and I don't know if they win, but certainly it's a one—it's a it's a one possession game.
1: So let's just stick with Kentucky for a second. They are a six and a half point favorite at home against Ole Miss. Rebels put up thirty five points last week uh, against Florida. Uh, obviously, had defensive issues in giving up fifty one. They did leave some points on the field. What do you make of this one with Ole Miss getting six and a half in Lexington?
4: Ole Miss offense, more balanced. I think that by using Corral, I think it's the right choice. You've got to score points, and especially with their defense. So uh, they're. They're just going to have to find some guys on defense. The Kentucky offensive and defensive line are just far superior here to Ole Miss, and the skilled players on both teams might be a wash. You know, maybe Ole Miss has the edge there a little bit, but Ole Miss has, has five starters returning on defense, and it just looked like they had none. And, and if you watch last week's Florida game, they're going to have to do something if, if they want to beat the better teams. And I think Kentucky just going to run the ball here and use the clock. I like Kentucky thirty-five twenty-five.
1: So a lot of people kind of picking this game nationally as one of their upset specials or kind of team to watch, but you don't think that's the case in this one?
4: I don't see it that way,
1: no. Okay. Um, Mississippi State. Maybe the story of college football last week going to Baton Rouge. K.J. Costello setting the single-game passing record in the SEC with 623 yards through the air. They get an Arkansas team that played tough for a while against Georgia last week. Ultimately didn't have the firepower to really stay in that game. Bulldogs a big favorite, about an eighteen point favorite. Is that too many points or is that just about right?
4: I think so. I think they're gonna win the game. But um, you know, I I just don't know if they're gonna stretch it out here. This is um where the pirate has not done his best work as a favorite and uh on the other side i I watched the Arkansas team, and I saw some improvements. I think Boyd might be able to run some in this game here, but in the end, you know just when you have this kind of offense, it's gonna to be tough for Arkansas to keep up. so I think uh state's gonna win this game something like thirty seven to twenty four but uh might be too many points
1: all right, so uh yeah. taking Arkansas plus the points, but Mississippi State to win in the game. Big one on the Plains. Georgia is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Auburn, and Auburn has not won in Athens since 2005. We hear all about the South's oldest rivalry, and it goes back to, I don't know, like the the 1400s when they first started playing this series. Uh, What what did you see from these two teams last week that informs your decision on this one?
4: Okay, so two things. I, I, I saw... Two teams, in my opinion, that once everyone starts playing at this time are not top ten teams. And until they play better, until they clean things up, um, they're not. I mean, could it happen? Absolutely. I think Georgia eventually is going to have to play transfer quarterback JT Daniels, whether he starts, whether he comes in during the game. I think he will get some playing time one way or another in this game. Stetson Bennett didn't look bad, but he's not a guy that's going to win big games for you. I think not having a crowd certainly Will help Auburn here. I think points are going to be at a, at a at a premium because Georgia didn't do very much. They only ran the ball for two point nine yards for carry against the Arkansas defense here. Uh, maybe the difference here is in the red zone, and I like what I saw in Auburn's two receivers, Seth Williams, Eli Stover. I just think that these two guys in the red zone are almost unguardable mm-hmm. and. With points at a premium, <laughs> I'll take the six and a half, seven points here. I think Georgia might escape twenty-three, twenty, but it wouldn't shock me here if Auburn wins this game outright. I'm going to play half my money here on Auburn plus the points and half on the money line. I just think that Auburn and the red zone might be the difference
1: here. What about the total in this game?
4: Forty, I think it's 42, 43 I mean, so, so you're uh, right there in terms of the total yeah, with right your score there. prediction. It's right there, trust me. Uh, they're not putting it there for a reason.
1: Yeah, that uh, that certainly makes sense. Alabama is a big favorite against Texas A&M, who kind of laid it egg. They they got a win, but they were not terribly impressive in their opener um, uh, against Vanderbilt down in College Station. This one is in Tuscaloosa. I know Alabama and Nick Saban kinda took their foot off the gas in the, the second half of that ball game, but man in the first half they looked good.
4: They did and, and you know, during the summer I, I make notes as I'm watching games and studying teams and I made a note I'm like, this is the perfect game for A and M. They're gonna be getting ten to twelve points, they're returning seventeen starters, they have a returning quarterback, Kellen Mond. They can go in there with Alabama rebuilding and, and maybe get a victory. Things just changed since that time. I mean, uh, they lost three key starters at linebacker, cornerback, and most importantly, wide receiver. With them losing Osman, a wide receiver, they just don't have any explosion at that position or much experience. And and to beat Alabama, you got to hit on big plays. The one time they beat them there, uh, big plays and a big-time quarterback. But now Alabama, Mac Jones, he looks like he's settled in. Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith, these two guys – you know, they can catch the ball, go 75 to 80 yards here. So uh, to be elite, you got to have a top quarterback. And Kellen Mond, just he looked lost in that game. I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. But because those three guys that opted out, these are not first-round picks. These are guys maybe fourth to seventh round. Maybe there's some something that's going on we're not hearing about. Uh, but also A&M – against the spread run as an SEC underdog, and Nick Saban has never lost to a former assistant. I thought Jimbo Fisher in year three, the way he was recruiting, this was the year like Florida State when he was there, where they won the national title. Big things happen, but I don't see it yet. I like Alabama. 45-14.
1: Roll Tide! 45-14, not even close if you have been with us when Lee is with us for the uh, the last couple of years, you have heard him refer not to the month of October, but the month of Locktober. This is one of your favorite months, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it is. And then we get into Do- not November, November. So we've had some great runs in October. It's going to get tougher everyone uh, to pick these winners once we get into November or December. Lines are going to get a little bit sharper, but there's still some teams that have no clue what's going on. There's uh, a team that has not played a game that i got to beat on, either good or bad, that no one knows about, got some good information. So that will be my top play this weekend. So you want to hop on board normally for five weeks through Tuesday, November 2nd, the day before the elections, it's 497 It's It's $100 a week. We offer some discounts of $100 and $200 from time to time. I'm going to break the bank. How about this? If you sign up today or tomorrow, you can get five weeks for just $197. That works out to $40 a week. How can you hop on board and start winning three out of four winning weeks so far this year? Use coupon code SAVE300 at ParamountSports.com or call 800-400-9741.
1: Lee, tell me about your game of the week.
4: So it's LSU and Vandy. Um, I think I got a good beat on both of these teams here. I got some good intel. You want to get a call right now, 800-400-9741. Start winning today.
1: 800-400-9741. I I will ask you uh, quickly as we wrap things up, is there anything in the NFL that you just absolutely love this weekend?
4: Yeah, two games. I, I, I like uh, the Saints. I think the Saints are, are going to put it all together against the Detroit team. Whenever they win, it looks like things fall apart. And uh, you want an over, play the over in Dallas-Cleveland. These two teams might score 85-90 points. Ooh, big yep. number.
1: All right. Yeah. Lee, yeah, always I mean, enjoy it, my friend. Great to uh, visit with you, and uh, good luck this weekend. Thanks, Richard. Have a great weekend, and stay safe. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. You can visit his website, ParamountSports.com. You can sign up and get your picks online, or uh, you can call the number that he gave you just a second ago. It is uh, 1-800-400-9741. 1-800-400-9741. You want to get picks from Lee Sterling. Got a big uh, promotion going on right now where you can save some money. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Lee Sterling, as always, joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Hey, Dad and Cross with you on this Thursday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. C Spire, text line 601-879-4395. Bama fan, Texas, he says, So I'm sitting here in hell and demons started passing out ice-cold Fiji water to everyone and I knew that could only mean one thing. Cross said the word Alabama. I'm right, aren't I? LOL, roll tide. I sent him back RTR, baby. <laughs> Appreciate you listening and uh, all in good fun. You know, if you just talk about Alabama all the time, things get boring because they never lose. And not very often, anyway. There was that time in 2014 and then that time in 2015, but distant memories. <laughs> distant memories indeed. Hey, Dad, you're going. There was that time, that one time in when?
0: 98? Oh, 07 would have been the last one. Are you sure about those, too? I, let me go check the NCAA record book. I don't know if those wins are still in there or not.
1: You know how I feel about asterisks I know and you do. SID erasers. Yeah. 2015. Memphis played for the national championship against Kansas and choked in the most colossal fashion available. But that does not mean the game did not happen. It's
0: true. Twenty fifteen. By the way, that was not a shot at Memphis. Just I know. It actually happened. 2015, they they, they, they counted all the games, right? Because Sunsville was suspended. You would know better than I, if we're being honest. I, I mean, I thought I, you might
1: I, know. I, no, I mean, I'm not being flippant. Yes, obviously, there was a long investigation, and there were pretty significant penalties for Ole Miss. But in terms of, can I cite to you what the penalties were, and when did they... They have to vacate wins and how many scholarships. I, I, I could not tell you how many scholarships Ole Miss lost as a result of the NCAA violations if you said, here's a million dollars. I'd give you a number and it would be within probably four or five, but if I got the number right, it would be blind luck. Anybody, does anybody know how many it was? I don't know how many it was.
2: Sure I think it was
1: 13. Somewhere. 13, 15, and 18 were the numbers that were kind of standing out in my head, but I. Whatever. Yeah, whatever.
2: Yeah. It's a long time ago. If you, I mean, uh, of all the things really that was. happened
1: since then,
0: yeah. we
2: got three full seasons of Matt Luke.
0: That's three head coaches for, for Ole Miss and three for state. Yeah. You know. Four athletic directors and our I mean, pets' it's... heads are falling off. I'm... Cats and dogs living together—mass hysteria. Do you know
1: what's happening tonight in the state of Mississippi? I'm going to
2: eat
0: an inordinate amount of hibachi,
2: but aside from Maybe that, you're... I don't know.
0: My wife's making chicken spaghetti. I was told. Ooh. So we got chicken spaghetti, and
1: we've got uh, hibachi. I'll Is it Hibachi at home, or are you going out for
2: Hibachi? I will be waitering that. It's the greatest app in the world. Everything's inflated, but my goodness, punching oh, I thought the You, you were actually fun.
0: waitering, no. like they had like a celebrity waiter night, and they they had called you up. They're not paying me for this, um, waiter
2: or do, or any of these DoorDash, whatever. Pay, pick one. The food, like the Uber for food, it, and they have one themselves too called Uber Eats. Awesome. Because you don't have to now only order from places that have delivery drivers. You can order from literally anywhere. And somebody will go pick it up for you. And it's like five bucks for them to do it and bring it to you. But that's all it is. Any restaurant you want.
1: Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I, I, I am not trying to, by the way, derail your train of thought here. That's fine. It happens I'm going almost you, every day. So I I understand that. I'm all about some you know food delivery. It's convenient, but hibachi delivery. I'm not so sure about this, Borky, because part of the part of the deal with hibachi is the experience. Where the yeah, guy, I can't have uh, my onion volcano. I don't yeah, but be- if you've seen
2: an onion volcano and like. Guy catching shrimp in his hat. One time you've seen it every
0: time.
1: Yeah, and you know the egg
0: roll joke the that they all tell. Yeah. The problem with some of those apps, though, is they jack the prices up on the food. You yeah, be it, careful with it, those. It, they do do that for sure. they will tell you, it's free delivery, but you know <laughs> you'll call you'll you'll order Chick Fil A and it's like sixty five bucks for three people.
2: <laughs> it A is very convenient, and though. that's
0: me just getting two nugget trays. So I don't know.
2: They should be paying me. We should get a promo code. I'm going to look into that, see if we can get one. Like STM20, and you get $5 off or whatever. I'm going to inquire about that. But if you are having one of those days, and they don't happen to me all that often, where I am feeling so lazy that getting into my car to pick up food sounds miserable,
1: these apps are the best. Can you get double Yum Yum Sauce when uh, you, you order it together? You can whatever you want.
0: They sell Yum Yum sauce at Kroger, man. Just go buy oh, some. Oh, that is true. They do that. Yeah. was not aware. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's in the barbecue sauce section. Steak or chicken? Both. Are you kidding? This is America. <laughs> I'm a <steak laughs> don't and have to and myself
1: when I go to Hibachi. We derail. The, the question I asked was, it's do you there. know what is happening Hibachi. tonight in the state of Mississippi? It's Juco football. I answered the question. I mean, there's probably other things, but... I knew where you were going. I just wanted wanted to have fun. Yeah. No, I got no issue with that. You get them to deliver you a Sapporo as well? That's the only
2: time I can drink it. Oh, yeah. It's like a Dos Equis. The only time I can really drink Dos Equis is if I've got chips and a uh,
1: chimichanga right in front of me. So you're not a margarita guy when you go to a Mexican restaurant? Nah. Uh-huh.
2: I had a bad experience with tequila in college, and the smell of it makes
1: me sick I mean, again. Yeah, it makes you so unique, Borky, The you yeah, a bad I know,
0: right? tequila. i
1: heard people say that tequila is the new bourbon, like in terms of...
0: You you know how, that, yeah, the high-end stuff, they're sipping it just straight. I don't know how they're doing that, but whatever.
1: Just over ice with a little squeeze
0: of yeah, lime or something lime. like that? I Control had some buddies rock, that have... something like that I don't know. I, don't, I can't do that, man. It's
1: been kind of their summertime drink. It, yes, junior college football begins tonight in the state of Mississippi. It is the start of a six-game schedule, and here's what you've got. Cahoma is at Itawamba, Mississippi Delta is at Northwest. Holmes is at Northeast, so Holmes will go to Boonville. Mississippi Gulf Coast goes to Pearl River. East Central is at Jones tonight, and you got Colan at Southwest. And if I remember correctly, no cross-division play this year, right? Aren't, aren't all the games division games? I believe that is correct, yeah. I feel like the answer to that question is yes. I think that's what they settled on, was it, it would all be division games. So a, a six-game schedule begins tonight. Great night of... Uh, Junior college football. Mike Fraser's not with us this year, but if uh, you want to uh, follow along for scores and some game previews and whatnot, you can always go to uh, the website jucoweekly.org. He's still so,
0: alive. Uh, just not on the track. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that made it sound yeah. like there was no more Mike Frazier. <laughs> He's not with us this year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You know I didn't mean that. I know you didn't, but I want, you never know who's listening. You He's going to get a text up. message It'd be very Are you confused okay?
2: here in a little bit.
1: <laughs> uh. So, yeah, junior college football. and um, I think there's some excitement among high school fans as well about the added opportunity to be able to go for games. With the capacity going from 50% to 75%, I know locally there was kind of a big push to sell some more tickets, and apparently it came at just the right time because for Oxford in particular, this was homecoming week. So if you want to go out and check a high school football game out, be a little be um, a little easier for you to do that. I'm sorry if I sound distracted. I just got a message that somebody found our dog, Thatcher. He's actually out at the lake where my in-laws live. Thatcher believes that he is the mayor of Sardis Lake. And that dog loves to run. So, anyway. I was letting these kind people know that he was fine and he knew his way back home. That is some stellar radio right there.
2: My apologies. I don't know what any of that had to do with tequila. Going to nominate us for a Marconi
1: after that one. Yeah just that, no, clip that right there. No, Thatcher does not drink tequila. I hope not. Do you see I don't that, think it would be good for him.
2: Speaking of that song, that kind of started this, the uh the tequila song. Guy gets on America's Got Talent and sings that yes. song. So he literally stands there holding a microphone for, you know, 45 seconds and he just goes, "Tequila." tequila. And then got all the way to America's and Got he Talent. He deadpanned it too. Yeah. <laughs> He did, he did advance? No, but he got to that point just
1: to do that for some reason. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Going to applaud the effort. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Can I quickly add a loser to Monday's winners and losers? Yeah,
2: it's only Thursday. Why not? Keegan Bradley played great today. Seems like a good dude. However, after his opening round 66 at the Sanderson Farms, he said this, because this is his first trip to Mississippi on tour. Quote, I thought grits were potatoes. I guess they're corn. Uh, he should be Where's kicked out of the tournament. Be kicked out of the state. And sent south somewhere else. Anywhere else.
1: In fairness, he's not very Southern, is he?
2: But how many events do they play in the South? And this is the first time? Keegan. Come on, man.
1: You think he had some Delta Grind cheese grits? or? I just hope they were prepared correctly, because bad grits are very bad.
0: Yeah, it's very true.
1: You know, there, there is an argument to be made that even if you get, like, bland, watery, bad grits, with enough butter and salt, you can make them edible. Add butter and salt to anything and make it edible, buddy. I No, I, I mean, I, I generally get that. But, I mean, like, I'll grab a breakfast plate at the gas station. Eggs, bacon, a biscuit, and some grits. And you really can't eat those grits without adding salt. They got plenty of butter in them. You can usually see it floating on the top of the pan before they scoop out the grits and plop it into your styrofoam plate or carry out box. But they don't usually put salt in them. And grits with no
0: salt is bad, bad, bad. For the most part, food with no salt is going to be that way. You you, You need to salt. I'm not a big salt guy, though. Like just, you gotta put a I, I lot mean, of salt. You gotta put some salt yeah. on your food. Yeah. So usually it's you better You get a whole stick of butter thrown in there, so don't, you, you know they're gonna be good. An entire stick? Oh yeah. And just a small pan of grits? Well, I mean, I do a big pot. I gotta you know, feed the family. Serving for you know four to six. Deserves an entire stick of butter. Yes. Oh yeah. Why not? Okay. Three kinds of cheese, too. So you only do cheese grits? Yeah, I mean, I'll eat regular grits, but I, mean, I like grits as a lunch-dinner thing more than I do for breakfast. I'd rather have hash browns for breakfast, like waffles, Waffle House-style hash browns, if I can get those.
1: Taking your scrambled eggs and just kind of plopping them in your grits and mixing it all together is pretty fantastic, also. I'm not normally a mix-my-food-together kind of guy, but... Uh, in that, in that case? At, at the very least, get a, you know, a scoop of eggs and then kind of scoop up the grits on top of them before you take the bite? I've had two people on the text line say sugar, not salt. Yeah, there
0: are a lot of people that do sugar in grits. It's not my thing. I not uh, a pinch, and I mean a pinch of sugar in there. Mike, I appreciate your effort, but I'm going to have to skip on that one.
1: You'll have to... Uh, Go forward. Uh, Walter from Houston. Hot take. Grits are horrible. Oh, Walter. So go back where you came from. Dave from Ripley. Ever eat hominy out of the can? Nasty. Walter no. and Keegan can go get some Scrapple somewhere. Aaron in Meridian suggests shrimp and grits. or Love best. it. Love it. Jason from uh, Columbus says mix in grape jelly instead of salt
0: to your grits. No, I'm not going to do that me either Derek and
1: uh Greenwood says sugar in oatmeal yes. I don't eat them grit man myself brown sugar specifically in oatmeal yeah. yeah brown sugar with some sliced up apples occasionally you can do bananas in oatmeal bananas and brown sugar in oatmeal I mean, Walter says he was born in the Mississippi Mississippi Delta, and he still says that uh, grits are horrible. Well, there are people that think the earth is flat, so. <laughs> I just don't get it. I mean, they're just coming in as fast as
0: I can possibly do.
1: Somebody went with Cinnamon and Splenda in grits. Oh, yeah.
0: what? In grits? Oh, no. That's an abomination before God and man. Bacon, grease, and anything,
2: one of these techs said. Uh, that's exactly right. If you want to make wings, really good wings, fry up some bacon, a lot of bacon. Get yourself a good, thick bit of bacon grease and make your wings in the skillet. Sounds crazy? Buddy,
1: it's so good. Apropos of nothing, William in Belmont says mayonnaise A1 and lettuce sandwich.
0: Okay, just to in our to favorite house. foods all of a sudden. Uh, right. you're, you're not welcome in my house, man. Ever in this
1: life. Jeff says blueberries in the oatmeal. Yep, I'm I'm on board with that.
0: Okay, Cameron Faulkner. He corrected himself. He did mean oatmeal for cinnamon and Splenda. Not, uh, not great. Okay, that's much better. I don't really
1: think Splenda has a place in anything. Fake sugar. No thanks. College football fix coming your way next. We'll try and pull this thing back on the rails. 5 o'clock hour with you on this Thursday. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. I'm not really sure that I even need to give this number because the C Spire text line exploded when we started talking about grits. Of all things. We did get a, a, a tweet as well asking if we had ever had fried grits. Delicious, and they are spectacular. Maybe my favorite kind of grits, if we're being honest. Like that you know, sometimes called a grit cake. Yeah. <sighs> Last time I had grit cake was interestingly enough at a restaurant called Grit. <laughs> Seems fitting, and it very was on brand. good. Yeah, very on brand. Uh, the C Spire text line, though, if you would like to get in touch with us, 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're always asking the big questions, like why wait for the next device to get the device you want? Other carriers make you sit tight until the next big devices come out, and then maybe they'll give you the deal on the iPhone that you really want. You know it. C Spire knows it. And you know what we all know? That is bull. That's what they're, uh, that's why C Spire is bringing you the best deal on your choice of iPhone today. Whether you're upgrading, adding a new line, or switching from another carrier, this is the deal you've been holding out for $100 off iPhone. Any iPhone at your local C Spire store and online at cspire.com. Top of the sixth inning, Oakland is now leading six to four. I'm sorry, bottom of the sixth inning, Oakland now leading six to four over the Chicago White Sox. Game three of that series, White Sox won game one. Oakland bounced back yesterday and won game two. Traditional uniform matchup. All white for the A's. White Sox in their gray road uniforms with Chicago across the chest. That's a a good look on the old baseball diamond. So it is time right now for the College
0: Football Fix.
1: And it's driven by Ford in your local Mississippi Ford Dealers Truck Month. Yeah, is starting to wrap up. Doesn't mean you don't want to get behind the wheel of an F-150 43 straight years. Number one selling truck in America. Plus, you've got the Ranger and the Super Duty. Don't miss out. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You may remember this story from all of the late part of the summer. There is a team that is playing only one college football game this year. And that team is North Dakota State. With North Dakota State's FCS record 37-game winning streak, a run of capturing eight of the past nine national titles and six straight victories against FBS opponents since 2010, There aren't many firsts emerging out of the most dominant program at any level in college football. Then comes Saturday. This coming Saturday. When the combination of COVID-19, a postponed conference season, and some creative scheduling have at least some of the eyes in the college football world focused on Fargo, North Dakota for just One week. The story at Yahoo Sports calls it an unprecedented spectacle. Three-time defending national champion North Dakota State plays a lone fall game this Saturday against Central Arkansas. Because the rest of college football is either back or is coming back, this game may not get the attention that we once thought that it would get in terms of eyeballs from television, random interest, etc. cetera. But it is getting the attention of the National Football League, which was kind of the point when North Dakota State decided that they would play one game. 26 NFL scouts from 20 franchises are headed to Fargo this weekend. Why? Because they want to see redshirt sophomore quarterback Trey Lance. So the NFL is expecting will play this lone game before skipping to the National Football League. And he's projected as a top ten pick in the draft. At a place where the last two quarterbacks have been the number two overall pick in Carson Wentz and the winningest quarterback in FCS history in Easton Stick, Lance has cut out what Yahoo calls an even more compelling profile. He's only started for one season. That was last year as a redshirt freshman. 16-0, and national champion, 28 touchdowns, no interceptions, and he put together as close to a perfect statistical season as a quarterback can, and as a result, NFL personnel is scrambling to Fargo to watch this guy play. If you want to watch it, it's on ESPN+. Plus. That's the the viewing platform. I remember when we talked about this late part of the summer, you guys kind of reacted, you know what, good for North Dakota State. They're showcasing their guy. They've got some other potential NFL players on the roster. They're going to draw the attention of the NFL and scouts. But now with a somewhat normal return to college football, everybody ultimately is going to be playing at the FBS level eventually. Have your thoughts on this spectacle changed at all? No,
2: just because FBS is in a completely different world than the F or the FCS is in a completely different world than the FBS. I mean financial resources are almost non existent at that level, so them just deciding to punt for the fall makes more sense when there's no money no real money for them to to make. And they have less resources to make all the social distancing and testing requirements and stuff that everybody else has to play. So it makes sense to me. It okay. sucks, but it, it, it ma- making the call when they did for them made sense because the resources weren't there to do everything that they needed to do to get it
0: right. Yeah, I don't have any issue with it. I think it's a it, it's a good it's a good show for uh, for North Dakota State to show that they care about their athletes. Uh, you know, I just the only you, you hope you cross your fingers nothing goes wrong because man, it's just one game. But you know, anything can happen out there. Um, but this is a great opportunity for Lance. So you probably you know, gonna be drafted pretty high anyway. But a, a little bit more film is never, not gonna hurt him at all. He's not gonna take it over Trevor Lawrence or anything. But could he be the second QB on the board? Sure. This quote from one NFL scout
1: speaks to that. He's the best player in the Midwest this year, and this particular NFL area scout covers the state of Ohio. He has a high ceiling as far as being a top-five quarterback in the NFL. And according to the story in the minds of NFL scouts, Lance is in the same group with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as the elite quarterback prospects in this year's draft. He's got size, 6'4", 226, dual threat, Comparison to Deshaun Watson in terms of his skill set. And he could very well end up leaping Justin Fields in the draft. So let me ask you this. Trevor Lawrence goes number one. You're picking at number four. Both of those quarterbacks are still available. Can you convince yourself, and this is the question that they're asking, and the question that, NFL talent evaluators are asking how do you judge a near flawless prospect against imperfect opposition and that's a hard question it's a great Mm -hmm. question
2: I wonder and maybe this isn't fair but I wonder if Carson Wentz's struggles will give anybody pause he played, played well, team won the Super Bowl without him. And he's stunk and been injury prone ever since. But I you've mean, also got what you, you said first, Borg. I mean, he played really, really well early on. And got a big, fat contract. Undeserved, but he got one. And now look. I don't know. I don't know if that'd be in the back of my head or not while evaluating because fool me once, you know, but they're different guys. Very di- very
1: similar situation, though. But again, I go back to the question. If you're sitting there at three or four, are you comfortable with Trey Lance who started one season, albeit a spectacular season, at an FBS power, in comparison to Justin Fields? Who played in the Big Ten week in, week out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Something to think about. We'll be right back. So we heard yesterday about the... Was it yesterday or two days ago about some COVID positives with the Titans? Yeah, two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah. And they were going to shut down the facility until Saturday. And then it was going to be shut down for the week, and now we've got the news officially that the Steelers and Titans game will not be played during week four, following two additional positive coronavirus tests among the Titans. According to an NFL announcement earlier today, I think the number is five players and six personnel. Not all five are on the active roster. Christian Fulton, the former LSU defensive back, is apparently tested positive. The decision to postpone the game was made to ensure the health and safety of our players, coaches, and game day personnel. The Titans facility will remain closed, and the team will continue to have no in-person activities until further notice. That was from the NFL statement. The announcement comes a day after the NFL said that the game, which had originally been scheduled for Sunday, had been postponed to Monday or Tuesday. Mike Vrabel said earlier today that his players were somewhat shocked at the news that they would not be playing this week. He was quoted as saying they wanted to play. They were preparing to play. But I think they understood and realized why the decision was made. I think that they'll handle this like they do, like they do everything else. They'll handle it. Professionalism, understanding, and a compassion towards not only ourselves and those that have been affected, but also Pittsburgh, the Steelers. They were preparing for a game, and now we'll have their schedule changed as well. The Vikings, who played the Titans on Sunday, had no positive results in their latest round of coronavirus testing, uh, the testing that happened yesterday, and their facility was scheduled to be reopened today. And their game with the Houston Texans is moving forward. There was, there was one thing. Guys, we talked about the Notre Dame story a couple of weeks ago where the, the virus that kind of ran rampant through their team was traced back to a team meal and a player who was vomiting on the sidelines. They thought they were treating him for dehydration. And they may have been treating him for dehydration, but it also could have been symptomatic of COVID. But one of the quotes from Brian Kelly, if you read that story, was we're actually kind of encouraged because it's clear that there was no transmission from close contact during the game. They traced their outbreak to something within their team and not passing it back and forth during a game. I think that's positive. Because one of the big concerns was, All these guys, offensive and defensive linemen out there bumping and grinding. And, you know, contact for three and a half hours. But maybe that's encouraging that, you know, that's not really where you're getting the spread. It's what we've talked about for months and what all the medical professionals have begged people to do. And that's, you know, spread out, social distance, et cetera. Just another example
2: of the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and now the NFL. The NFL said they'd be willing to push their playoffs back if need be to accommodate postponed games. Now, in this case, it sounds like they're going to be okay. There's some mutual games coming up where they can reshuffle it around and play in like week seven, I believe. So they'll be okay there. But the NFL has time and willingness to move back the playoffs some. In the SEC, you've got the bye week. You've got the additional week at the end of the season. You've got – there's plenty of flexibility for everybody else. But it just is another reminder that the Big Ten has eight games – well, nine, technically – nine games scheduled in nine weeks. If something like this happens to them, that they're, they're they're done. They're screwed because they're trying to finish their season to get Ohio State in the college football playoff on time. But if Ohio State has an outbreak and they have to move a game or two, that they won't play enough in time for the college football playoff.
0: Well, that's because the Big Ten took a patient, measured approach to this, waited until all the information was available, and then made their – wait a minute, they did the opposite of that. Never mind. Never mind.
1: The thing for me that's more concerning about the Big Ten is not rescheduling games. Is the fact that you have to sit out for 21 days if you test positive. Yeah. Which is the most asinine thing. Nobody's missed. Well, I don't want to say nobody. People, generally speaking, aren't missing 21 days of work for a positive. But you've got to sit in quarantine for three weeks if you test positive and you're a Big Ten player. And then good luck trying to play again. I mean, (laughs) that is
2: three weeks. Some players I've heard interviewed recently, NFL players and stuff, asking about what they're allowed to do when in quarantine. And if you have a positive, they don't tell you to work out, that that you're okay to work out, because it's a virus that could potentially affect your heart and other things. So they're just kind of hanging out. You expect a kid to just kind of hang out, maybe do some workouts in their apartment, and then play a football game? There's not a chance they won't be physically prepared for that. 3 weeks off of football without any kind of ramp up period that really sets them back at best.
0: Yeah. You're right. It's a complete well, mess. Is, these are the same people who told us that you could play a you know could play 20 games in one year basically. <laughs> so. Yeah. Just take it all with that that grain of salt. Aren't you glad that we've kind of gotten past the idea of spring football? Yeah.
1: We will get
2: some FCS though, so that'll be kind of a nice touch. If you're bored in March, you know you get to watch I don't South Dakota play Montana
1: on a Saturday. You know what else you'll get? Not this spring, but next. The return return of the XFL. Oh yeah. League has now been resurrected twice, and the league's new ownership group, fronted by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, announced earlier today that it will begin playing in 2022. Third attempt to build the XFL brand. 2001's when they started, but played just one season. Vince McMahon brought it back in 2020, completely unaware that that was the worst possible timing to begin a spring football league. He shut down the league again earlier this year, but a new ownership group bought the league out of bankruptcy and will come back in 18 months or so. Tweet from The Rock, XFL returns spring of 2022. As owners, we're proud to champion our XFL players, coaches, cities, and fans into an electrifying 22 season. It's an uphill battle, but we're hungry, humble, and no one will outwork us. A league of culture, passion, passion and purpose given his history of success and basically everything that he has done professionally i don't know that i'm betting against the rock
2: it would be a mistake to do so i think
0: i mean do you, do you think there are people who are, who are going to bet against him is that is that a Is that what you think? Well, it doesn't matter what you think. The Rock has never failed. The Rock is the people's champion. The Rock will bring the XFL back in spring of 2022. Speaking of, speaking of,
1: I was listening to the Miami Florida State game on the radio on Saturday night just for a few minutes, and the Miami radio play-by-play guy—I mean—he was feeling it. He might have been sipping on a bit of the aforementioned tequila in the booth at Hard Rock Stadium (laughs) on Saturday night because Miami scored to make it like, oh, it was when they went over 50. They had never done that against Florida State before, and he goes, do you smell what the Canes are cooking? Yeah. (laughs) Miami's having a mojito. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. I thought it was pretty good, though. Um... Uh, let me correct. It was not the play-by-play guy. It was actually the color analyst who well, the color uh, who, analyst was
0: always, who dropped that. Well, I was going to say he's more colorful, but that feels like that's a pun. But A bit. Yeah. A bit. Um, no, I, I guess the, the
1: point I was making is, to your question, before you were just setting me up to say it doesn't matter what I think, um, yes, there are people that will bet against the XFL because it's like, hey, this didn't work once and it didn't work again. I suppose the point that I was making was The Rock created an unbelievable brand as a wrestler that he has parlayed into Hollywood success, television production success, television hosting success, and a massive fortune, and has surrounded himself with really smart people. And surely... If a third group, and I know they bought it for cheap, relatively speaking, but if a third group is willing to take a flyer on this kind of an investment, they're not going into it thinking, I'm pretty sure this is going to fail. But hey, you know what? It'd be fun to own a a league. They're looking at it as a financial opportunity and going to do all they can to make it work. Who knows if it will? But uh, I think it'll be fun to watch. Sports Talk Mississippi will be right back. Borky was the one that made the point on, oh, Monday or Tuesday of this week that the best way for the Ole Miss defense to get better was to recruit themselves out of the hole that they're in defensively. A couple of defensive player commitments for Ole Miss today. One of them is Jamond Gordon, maybe Jamond Gordon. He is currently at East Mississippi Community College, originally from Meridian he is a uh, six-foot, four-inch, 280-pound defensive tackle, I guess. Uh, some places listed as a defensive end, but yeah, whatever, defensive lineman. And that came on the heels of a commitment from Tysheem Johnson, who is listed as a athlete. He's a running back in high school and also plays safety. A couple thousand yards from scrimmage last year. He is out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Newman-Garetti. So uh, you got those things as well. going to be interesting to see in terms of recruiting what it looks like for Mississippi State going forward. And if some performances like they had last week create a flurry of activity, especially at wide receiver.
0: Yeah, if you want to flip Deion Smith, keep doing that. Uh, that's, that seems like the surest way to do it.
1: Luke Johnson joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Got to see Luke in person earlier this week when he was in North Mississippi for a speaking engagement, and – uh now he is back on the road, and on the road tonight, getting ready for the first weekend or first week of junior college football, Luke.
5: Yeah, guys, just pulled up in Ellisville. Jones up in tonight, East Central, comes to town, and getting ready to be on the call. Super talk, Laurel here in a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I got uh, Juco football Thursday, high school football Friday, uh, Southern Miss Saturday, the Saints Sunday. It feels normal
1: again. That's a, uh, that is a full weekend. Uh, certainly a full weekend. Um, what are the what are the restrictions in terms of attendance for for junior college football?
5: Well, you know it was twenty five percent yesterday. Uh, I talked to um, associate athletic director at Jones yesterday, and they were still trying to figure out. You know, after the announcement came back up, so I, I would assume it's still twenty five percent. I haven't heard anything else today, but um, I, I think they're just they were planning on that number, so they'll probably just roll with it tonight.
1: Yeah, and I guess the bump that we got yesterday was 25% to 50% for high school athletics events, and we did find out yesterday that that did not include college, so I'm assuming that the junior college would fall under those restrictions as well. Luke, is there some excitement surrounding the start of JUCO? I know it's going to look different this year in that it's only a six-week season, and if I remember correctly, it's division games only, right? No crossover games?
5: No crossover. Six uh, six games in the South. Uh, Jones has a bye week next week. But yeah, they, they are excited um, because they're, uh, for a school like Jones that sends so many people uh, to, to D one, uh, you were going to have kids that weren't going to play football for an entire year, literally. And it, it sure doesn't help, you know, having connections with these Power Five programs and group of, group of five programs where you can't develop a kid. So Mississippi specifically requested then um, J.C.A.A. To, to be able to play this fall, so they're going to play six uh, region games, and then they're going to have a one game um, playoff at the end. So just two teams, champion of the south, champion of the north, will play each other, uh, and that you know hopefully we will get to to see that. But yeah, six six on the slate.
1: And and Luke, if I remember correctly, the compromise was yeah, you can play it, and everybody else is planning to play in the spring. But nobody from Mississippi would be eligible for any postseason bowl games that happen in the spring, right?
5: Yeah, and that's the way it is. And, you know, when you look at East Mississippi opted out, but especially with Gulf Coast being the defending national champion, the trade off is you can at least win a state championship. But let's be honest, none of these teams, particularly that send these players to the next level, they're going to have any rosters in the spring. That's I mean, right. Jones tonight, 57 players, 43 have never played before and that's because they sent so many to to the next level last year. And so, yeah, the trade off you you lose a few games, but you get a season in and and you can uh, develop football players for sure. All
1: right, flipping over from JUCO to Southern Miss, game with North Texas coming up this weekend. Uh, What has it been like in Hattiesburg in terms of preparation leading up to this game and trying to get the bad taste out of their uh, mouths from the start of the season?
5: Yeah, you usually say – home can't come soon enough, the road can't come soon enough. Southern Miss 0-3, you thought that those three first home games would really be able to help them, and they've given up 128 points. So, kind of the sentiment from the from the, the guys this week, there's been a good response. You know, just the word that got thrown around by coaches and players was embarrassment. It uh, should never happen again. So, there's been good response. Um, kind of a, a hit yesterday for the Golden Eagles, if, if they needed another one, starting center Trace Clopton um, had to have his appendix removed, so He's out for the foreseeable future. Uh, they're probably going to have to bring Arvin Fletcher in either at guard or, or center, and Coker Wright will play the other position. So you lose your starting center. Um, you go on the road. If there is a there is a silver lining at all for this game, Eagles got to win this one. Um, you look at the Southern Miss defense and you say, wow, they have not lived up anywhere close to nasty bunch uh, standards. They're giving up 493 yards a game on defense. Just so happens that North Texas has given up about 150 yards more. Uh, North Texas has given mm. up 640 yards a game, so uh, they got they got destroyed nice. by SMU. Um, SMU put like 700 uh, yards on them. Played Houston bad this week before, which has a, a really good offense at that level. They put 580 up on them. So, you know, an opportunity for for Southern Miss. There's going to be no defense in this game if, if that's the case. Uh, Southern Miss will get a few defensive linemen back, and they're going to mix some more guys in there. They just got to do, they went back to fundamentals this week tackling, because that, that's that been an Achilles heel, so yeah, uh, the over-under is 72 in this game. I'm taking the over all day long.
1: In terms of game plan, does it feel like a week where they may just try to air it out?
5: I think they're going to have to. I mean, your leading rusher has 82 yards. And your You're mixing up your offensive line. Last year, Southern Miss beat um, North Texas 45-27. Jack Abraham threw for 421 yards. But Wes Watkins was in that game. He's gone. Um, D. Mike was in that game. He's gone. So, Tim Jones kind of iffy for this one. Uh, Demarcus Jones has kind of become the the targeting, the the main target. He had like 11 targets last week. Brownlee's developing as a threat. So, if they get Tim Jones back, I mean – yeah, I could see Jack Abraham throwing the ball 35, 40 times. He threw, again, for 400 yards last year. So, yeah, I think they're going to attack North Texas pretty pretty well uh, and try to open it up. The, the key with this this team is, again, it's just the mental makeup. Do they believe that they can hold on to the They were up 14 last week. They were up 17 against LaTeX, blew both of those leads. So um, expect, to, expect to maybe possibly see a, a mentally sharper team this week. They're going to have to have it.
1: I know injury news is not always uh, readily available. Are they thinking progress with Tim Jones, game-time decision? What's that going to look like?
5: Yeah, it's going to be a game-time. It's going to be just how he feels. Um, He was there last week but never even attempted to get on the field. So I think maybe just kind of a decoy out there. But, yeah, I think he's been testing it this week, but Scotty Walden has said it's going to be either tomorrow or Saturday before they make a decision.
1: And we've talked about this, but the reality is they are different offensively when Tim Jones is not only in the you – know, when he's on the field.
5: He can play inside, he can play out, he's a deep threat, he's a strong cross the middle threat. And if he's in there – I mean, we saw what Brownlee did last week. I mean, there's a reason Brownlee led uh, junior college last year with, with touchdowns. I mean, there's a reason for it. And I think it, it frees up the Marcus Jones, a guy nobody really talked about coming into this game. Uh, Jack Abraham's, both of his interceptions this year have been on screen plays. So you take those two out, Jack's uh, running a, you know, free scot-free this year, and he hasn't been bad. I think a lot of people want to complain about him. I mean, he's completing close to 65% of his passes, about 900 yards. He hasn't been bad. Uh, it's just that second half last week had zero protection to give him time.
1: Yep. Um, Got to be good all across the board to try and get one in what could very well be a shootout this weekend. Luke, always enjoy our conversations. Enjoy a little Juco football tonight as this season gets underway as well.
5: I think we're going to crack the window because it's going to feel good outside tonight. You guys have a great weekend. Talk to you next week.
1: If you don't crack the window, you are doing it wrong. That's Luke Johnson joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.